Welcome to the Insider Safe Place for Men podcast show. Because every male survivor deserves hope, healing, support, and a BMW. And here's your male survivor, leadership coach, and hypnotherapist, Thomas Edward. All right. Happy Friday, everyone. All right, guys out there. How are you doing? All right. Welcome once again to the Insider Safe Place for Men. Here we are, podcast. All right. So the wind's blowing a little bit out there. And uh, yeah, it's still hot here in Sacramento, California. I have this little squirrel. And you guys remember, I keep telling you about the squirrels, right? So Usually, of course, they're eating up all my stuff, my you know my little garden stuff in the back, you know. But the sun is kind of uh, and the heat has kind of pretty much wiped everything out, and so you know we'll start again. Well, the second crop I'll call it in uh, the end of July. So here in a couple of weeks, we'll start replanting stuff, and and usually you know there's enough heat to get us through whatever October, and so you know have some more. We'll have some tomatoes and different things, but. It won't be as hot, so they'll probably survive. But anyway, so I got this little squirrel, you know, out in the back. And uh, it just gets, it's so hot, right? You see the birds and stuff. And what they do is they try and get the water out of the little, you know, sprinkler systems or irrigation systems that you have little, that might be dripping a little bit. And I was like, oh, this is just so hot for these guys. And so I went out in the back and I put a little tray of like just some cool water out there and um, and so the squirrel comes down and he, he drinks the water and then he just spreads himself out. So like he gets on like all fours, you know, you see like those flying squirrels. So he just puts himself, spreads himself out un, under the tree in the shade and he just enjoys this little time. <laughs> so that's how hot it is. The, even the little the little animals and stuff are just spreading themselves out, trying to keep themselves cool there in the shade. All right, guys, how are you doing? Hey, it's another session that we have an opportunity to just talk, to just share kind of what's on our mind. I'm going to share um, a few things that I haven't actually shared before. I've done um, workshops actually with um, military where we had everyone that was there was actually um, from the military, had some type of um, service or armed service Um I'm going to say a, that took place, abuse that took place. And so I'm going to share with you a few stories. I want to honor a couple of the guys we've had. Um, had um, one that passed away, is no longer with us, transition it, as we call it, rest in power. And so I just wanted to share a couple of those stories kind of in, in memory. And then also um, just kind of a, a way of sharing their story to uh, it keeps them living. In other words, when you when you when you hear someone else's story and you have an opportunity, and maybe you can relate to it in some way, and maybe it helps you on your journey. That um, hopefully that that person continues to live on through that, right? And so, story is really really important. And um, you're going to be finding um, some of these also. So those of you that know that. September, so we had to push it out a little bit, but September is going to be um, the launch date of the Safe Place for Men digital magazine. 
and we'll be having stories like this in there. We have different articles. We have um, uh, male survivors that will be writing articles and contributing. And so um, the whole idea of this is, you know, it's a, a digital magazine. So it's for male survivors by male survivors. So um, I think that's I think it's unique for us to have a space and a place, you know, where we can share what's going on with us, things that have helped us to work through different issues, but places where it's survivors, where we're sharing our our stories. And so those that will be um, some of the contributors that are writing, um, they will be individuals who have experienced sexual abuse. And I think that's really important. So we'll be hitting some of those things. So for some of you uh, that are doing the coaching program, hey, you know, welcome aboard. Uh, it's great to have you aboard. You know, can't wait um, when we get to do some of our workshop meetings together. That's great. Uh, like I said, if that's something that you're interested in, you want to move to the next realm. So like I said, maybe you've been doing, you know, therapy for a little bit and it's taking you some places, but you want to go further. In other words, you want to get rid of a lot of dysfunctional, I'm going to say, behavior and thinking that's holding you down. And it's interesting when we get together and we and we talk about these things and I'll say, hey, how has, you know, the sexual abuse, you know, affected you today in your life? Right. And so we kind of have this chart, this gamut chart and people say, yeah, man, it's just been hard for me to, you know, really hold uh, a job or to have, you know, have confidence actually in my job. And so you'll hear things like that, or you'll hear guys say, yeah, you know, my, my relationships, all my relationships are just kind of wonky. And, um, and it's cool when we're doing that and we're doing the coaching, because those are the things when we think about life that often are really important to us. And so what's cool about the coaching is, it's like, not only are we just working on the sexual abuse issues, but how they touch these different pieces of our life. And then what are things that we can actually do to work through that? And, and so for those of you that are, uh, you know, um, welcome, great treat coming along, um, especially once you see the chart. So we're going to do the 15-step the, the chart. Because you guys know I'm about measuring. That's how we determine um, we're healing in our healing um, vision. And so we're going to be talking about those 15 steps and we'll talk about each one. And what's so cool about it is then you get to see where you're at. And that's what I love it. That's what I love about it. That you have an opportunity through these 15 steps, whatever that we're, that we're moving to, or maybe not even steps. We can even call them, you know, phases, levels, whatever. And there can be more, but these are our general ones that I've noticed over my 20 years of working with male survivors that often we hit, right? And so the steps like, okay, what happens? This occurs and oh, then what do we do? Oh, we try to do some soothing emotional pain or something like that. And we compartmentalize over here. And then we get to this point where we're seeking help, but we're, so all the different steps are just kind of laid out there. And that's what's so great is when you get to see this chart, you kind of get to plot yourself there and say, oh, okay. This helps me to realize this is kind of where I'm at right now. And so we get to look back and see, okay, um, this phase right here. So was there anything for me in that phase there? Or maybe I haven't hit it, right? And so that's the thing about phases. They never, of course, come in in, or, in order. So um, that's great. 
So anyway, like as I was saying, the the digital magazine is actually coming out. So if you want to subscribe, subscribe now. It'll be coming out in September, so it will be delivered to you digitally. Um, I'm actually going around and um, doing some interviews. And so uh, you guys know I, I love, you know, hanging out, hanging out with male survivors and and talking and, and sharing and, and just hearing their stories and perspectives. So I get to do that for the magazine. And then the other thing that's new on the horizon here is, um, you know, here's the thing. Um, when you put in the work and you do the work and you're genuine about the work, people realize it. So I was approached by a organization that, that works with survivors. And, um, and so the organization's like, hey, we want you to help us. We want you to help us to build some programs because we notice, you know, some of the programs and things that you've built over the years and they have been quite effective. And so um, uh, for the next, uh, I don't know, maybe half a year to year, be stepping into a role in helping um, some other organizations actually build some of their male survivor um, programs, right? And you guys know me, but, you know, of course, as a coach, right, it's always, you know, visualization, actualization, um, manifesting your dreams. But what's so cool about this is, I mean, this is one of my passions, and it's so great when you, I'm going to say, when you put the fear aside and you step out and you just start to do. And that's the place that a lot of us as survivors are. We're afraid. And you guys remember what I said before. One of the things about this journey is you cannot be afraid to ask because you just never know the answer that you're going to receive, that you're going to get. And so many times as survivors, I'm going to say because of the sexual abuse or because we have this, this limiting mindset, right? Limiting beliefs that it can't be done. There's no way, you know, I'm going to, to figure out how to do it or, or if I can afford this or whatever. You know, I, I scratched that mentality long time ago. And my mom used to always have this saying, she would just say, you just never know until you ask, because that might be the day when you ask that question that something has, you know, you know, um, hit that person's heart, whatever, and they really want to help you. And they might even just give it to you for free, but you never know until you ask. And even if you don't get the answer that you want at that time and date, you don't give up, right? Because out there in the universe, it's conspiring to help you, but you have to be willing to step out. Ooh, all right, we can we can end. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Um, so yeah, so for us as survivors, you know, as a, as we're working through the steps, you know, decide today, decide today that you're not going to take no for an answer. Right, when it comes to your healing, that you're, you're going to ask. I'm always asking, right? Especially when I look at something, I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. And I'll go back and say, okay, can, are there some options here? Uh, can we do it this way? Can, can we do it this way? Would you be comfortable? Right? Because you never know you ask. And I've so many doors have opened for me because I didn't just say, okay, 
It's the no. It's like, all right, is there another possible way that we can do this? So don't be afraid to ask. All right. That's enough of that. All right. So like I said, we kind of lost a survivor um, here who's no longer with us. And I just want to share some pieces of um, their stories. Actually, like I said, for um, those that, like I said, when did we do this workshop retreat? Um, It's been several years, maybe, maybe five, five, five or six years ago, but the, the unique thing about this one was we happened to have what I call a band of brothers. So all these guys were part of the military, right? And so this is where their sexual abuse had taken place. So it was kind of unique because it, it was this place where not only were the men in this group all experienced unwanted sexual abuse, but they all just happened to also be military and where it occurred. So just want to share some of those. So the first person I'm going to just share with you was, um, is, is Jay. And so Jay's, I remember when he was sitting there in the, in the workshop, uh, one of the, the phrases as he was telling the story was that, um, he was thinking in, in his mind that no one will believe you. And that's because this is actually what he was kind of being told by his drill sergeant. And this was boot camp because this is when it happened. So I remember Jay and he was, um, he was sitting there and he was telling the story and he was telling the story how it was like early in the morning and he was in his, his, um, his sergeant's office. And as he was recalling, and he was just, just talking about kind of the brutality, you know, of it, that, his drill sergeant was, you know, he was only 18 years old, right? And so he's on this journey kind of to, to find himself. But what had happened was the drill sergeant, you know, was kind of choking him and he was sexually abusing him there, even though there were just recruits sleeping over in, in, the, next, in the next room. And I remember when he, he shared this story because he said this story had happened to him in the 60s. And I'm like, wow, I hadn't even, you know, I'm not even born yet. I haven't been born yet. And because oftentimes we think that when we talk about sexual abuse for, for men, that it's a kind of a new thing, you know, because of Me Too. And actually, it's not. And he shared for him this sense of like there was, he felt that there was no justice because there was no military response or, you know, whatever prevention program, of course, during that time as there is today. So those of you that have heard um, uh, Mike, uh, Mike Cochran, and so you guys know that he does uh, this work and he helps men that are there uh, in the military as he's doing the, the training. But during that time, the, there were no protections. There were no protections for, you know, these recruits. And then he would, he would talk about, you know, the kind of the paradigm of, and he's like, and during that time, he says, it, it didn't matter if someone had sexually abused you, right? Everyone would think of it as being gay. And it's like, that was just like forbidden in the ranks because it was actually seen as a national security threat. And so think about him living with, uh, living with this in this place. He's here to, to serve his country and he's been raped. He's been raped by his drill sergeant. 
And I remember him saying, he, 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 was, he said that, you know, if, if you came forward and if you said that you were raped, people would have thought that you were, and he these, these words, he said they would think that you were a child molester, they would think that you were queer, and then he said you would be treated as if it was your fault. Well, we still have a lot of uh, essence of, of that, but he said during his time, then that was kind of one of the main prevalent thoughts. And I remember him sharing as he was sitting there and, and, and talking, and he was talking about, you know, you know, after the, the attack, he, he, he was just talking about the way that he, he felt, right? And he says, I didn't know what to do. You know, he says, I just went and I took a shower. And then what I did was I just, I went back to bed. Now, the thing about this for, for Jay was that the sergeant actually raped him um, several times, right? And this was, of course, during base, basic training. And he said that each time he just, he stayed quiet about it because he was determined to make it through boot camp. Now, I want you to see the, the resiliency. Now, here's the thing, though. And remember, this is always important. Remember, our, our brains, at least for, for men, when we look at the neuroscience, is not considered to be fully developed until we're age 25. So there's some of us out there, when we look at, you know, hindsight, and we say, oh, you know, my abuse took place at 17 or 18, you know, so, you know, it shouldn't be that bad because it happened, you know, at that stage of, of life, you know, I was past what we might consider, you know, teenage, or I was considered, you know, whatever, a young man. But remember, from a neuroscience perspective, your brain is still dealing with things and trying to grow and form and develop until age 25. And oftentimes we don't think of it from that perspective with that, I'm going to say, 2020 hindsight. And we go back and we lay on all this guilt and stuff. Well, why didn't I do this? And I'm going to say it would be no different than if you were six, seven, eight, nine, whatever. And the abuse happens. Your mind is still developing. So anyway, he, he, he just shared and he talked about, you know, he wanted to make it through boot camp. So he, he didn't say anything, but what happened was when he graduated, then what he did, he actually reported, he reported what had happened and he was hoping and he was expecting that they were going to actually, you know, jail, do some type of whatever trial for his, uh, you know, attacker and to start, you know, an investigation. And you could see him here as, as, as he was talking. I mean, you could feel the anger in his voice. And here it was like decades, decades later, because he said, you know, no one ever called me. Nothing was ever said and nothing was ever done. And so what happened was he became the scapegoat. So instead of his, you know, his chain of command, you know, doing something about it, what happened is they just started to complain about his performance. And so one of the reasons they were complaining, though, about his performance is because uh, the sexual abuse actually physically, like, damaged him, raped him. So he was having um, some kidney issues, um, you know, torn rectum, um, and so he was missing quite a bit of, of training because he was getting treatment for the stuff that was going on. And um, 
Yeah, can you imagine that? Now I know some of you guys, um, you might be triggered. So like I said, if you need to um, stop, whatever, move to a different place, whatever happy place, that's fine. Uh, but I want to share, I want to share Jay's story. And so that was what was going on, you know, for, for Jay. Whew. So I just want you to, I want, I just want, I want to share that because um, Jay, I just want to let you know that your story is out there. Your story right now is being heard. Um, there are other men out there and you know that because of the, the workshop that have experienced something like this. And I'm hoping, Jay, that just sharing just those small pieces might inform those other men that there's other men out there that have experienced this. And I hope that it will give them the courage also to step forward. I remember one thing that um, Jay said and he was talking about when he was he was 18 because his idea was to kind of make this a you know a career a career for the armed services and he said um he thought that he he had a future he really wanted to serve his country and he's like yeah i was good at it he's like i knew i could be good at it but he says with the sexual abuse he says all that was taken away from me All right, so in honor of Jay, share that story. Peter, I'm going to talk a little bit about Peter. Um, uh, I remember when Peter, when he came to the, um, to the workshop, um, and, you know, he starts sharing pieces of his story, and, and once again, um, he was enlisted in the, in the Army, and um, I think his, I can't remember how old he was. I'll have to try to remember his story as he was, he was telling it here. But I, I remember him saying what triggered it for him. And this is, this is why it's important to really understand how the abuse has affected us. Um, sometimes it's clear, sometimes it isn't. But he shared the story of for him, because oftentimes I'll ask people, you know, what brought you here? What what brought you to this workshop retreat? And so he shared the story that one day he was he was walking, he's walking through a store, through a supermarket, and uh, he was looking for an item. And he said, what happened is he 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 stopped by because there was like this whatever for breeze, whatever aisle or something like that, and. And so he stopped by just to smell some of the, the scents on there on the, the shelf. And then he said before he knew it, he was on the floor and he was just holding his hands over his face and he was sobbing. And he said it was because one of the scents that he smelled, it was like the, the soap or whatever that um, they had been using in the shower at the army during his basic training and it was in that shower where he was he was beaten and he was raped by another recruit and so just that one scent that one smell brought all those things back to him 
So this is one of the, the reasons I'm going to keep sharing the story, but here's one of the reasons, guys. And so those of you that are working and, and coaching with me, this is one of the reasons that um, when I work with you, I'm teaching you different techniques on how to handle some of these things when they come up, the ants. So for those of you that are doing the um, coaching course, the ants, right? And because what happens is, our brains are just wonderfully made, created engineering feats. And when a simple smell or word or something comes across and we haven't really processed it, it can take us right back to that exact time and moment. And we have all those feelings just come flooding to us. We haven't had a chance to, to process them. Remember, we talked about fragmented memory in podcasts way, way before and so if then when you don't have any skills to actually help you work through that or, or strategies, it can be devastating. And so I remember him, you know, saying um, as he was sitting there and he was talking, you know, it's like this was just a, a little thing. He's like, how could this this be? Here it is. I'm, I'm in this store and now the scent just takes me back to this little square shower. And he kind of described the shower and he said, it's, it's hell. He's like, it's, it's like there was no escape from it. So um, when Peter shared the, the story, I think he said he was around 17, 17 years old. And so once again, right. And so we think that because, oh, well, it happened, you know, you know, later in life, it's not, you know, that's not, we don't really consider it, you know, childhood sexuals, but you know what, 17, you're still a child. Your brain hasn't fully developed or matured. And so there he was. He was assaulted, you know, in the shower. And once again, it was in the evening. Everyone else had had gone to bed. And just like Jay, he, um, he, did, he didn't tell any. He didn't tell anyone. And so like him, he ends up in the hospital. The, the next day, he's internally bleeding from a torn rectum, right? And so, of course, the doctors asked him what happened. And what was interesting was when Peter shared, you know, he shared about his, you know, his spiritual faith. And so um, I think he said he was, he was Mormon or that was the religious faith, whatever, that he practiced. And he said, you know, I, he says, I, I really couldn't say anything. He said it was kind of like my, my spiritual practice was even halting me from even telling the truth of what had happened to me because in my um, world, in my group, right, this would just be total, total taboo, even though I was the one who was victimized. And so he said, he says, I felt like I, I just couldn't say anything because it would look like I was a, a total failure to, to my family you know, to myself, to, you know, to my spiritual practice, to my, you know, platoon. And it's interesting because, you know, now I'm going to say today there's a little bit more because there's a little bit more awareness in the armed services. Um, but I think I was doing the research and he was giving me the time period. And like during that time period, um, I think it was 3% of male victims actually reported the sexual assaults. And I think that was by the, um, the DOD, the defense department. 
And so that was the percentage. It's, they said they think it's double increase. So I guess that would be 6%, per, percent, um, which isn't a lot, but you know, it's, it's, it's in people are starting to come forward a little bit more. And it's interesting as you would hear, you know, Peter, and once again, just, just like Jay, you know, um, this was kind of the career that he, he wanted. And, you know, he was really good. He was a really good marksman, um, physical fitness, and he wanted to make the military a career. But as he was sitting there explaining it, he says, you know, I, I think I can um, relate a little bit, he says, to those men that were in Vietnam and when they came back home, they kind of felt like well, they were rejected, you know, even though they were, you know, serving their country and whether people agreed with the war. And he said, he kind of felt this, the same way. He said, I had a, a, a sense of betrayal and disgust, right? And, and from being abused, being uh, uh, raped at a place that I had come to, to try and serve my country. Um, and then so for Peter, uh, eventually for him, he was um, discharged. He was discharged for conduct. So, but, but think about that, right? So once again, here you have this brain of yours trying to, hasn't been fully developed, is trying to figure out how to cope. So we know some of the coping mechanisms, you know, that happen when sexual abuse happens years later and we're trying to figure out how to deal with it. And I remember him saying that when he, when he returned um, home, he said that he, he couldn't tell anyone about the attack, right? He said that for him, he, he stopped going to, to church and he said that he just started falling into his dysfunctional behaviors to deal with the pain. You know? So drinking, he talked about struggling with, you know, holding a job. He talked about questioning his own sexuality and, you know, and then the people around him are just wondering, well, why can't you keep your act together? Why can't you get your act together? And I remember him saying it, it took 10 years for him to decide to actually tell them what happened. And he says it was that time that he felt that he broke. So Peter, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for allowing us to hear pieces of your story. Once again, for, for those out there, and for us, you know, here in the States, I know we have, you know, international listeners, but for us here in the States, of course, July, for us, July, July 4th, for Benny is Independence Day here. And so these are the things often people think about, you know, the wars and those that actually, you know, fought in um, the war for independence. And so I just wanted to take some time to share some of those stories of of survivors. And I believe by sharing just pieces of their story that in some way it allows them, I'm going to say a bit of justice. 
there's one thing, you know, when I'm working, you know, and coaching survivors and we, we do want a sense of justice, whatever that looks like for, for some people that's, you know, being able to actually, you know, charge the, the perpetrator, the abuser in court and law for some people, it's, it's whatever outing the person. But then for some people, justice is having their story shared. And what that means is, is that the individual didn't get away with it totally because the story is out there and they have an opportunity to share what happened with them and what they experienced. And that's one of the reasons I love doing the, the workshop retreats because it's just a wonderful, safe place where you're not judged. You can share your story and you're believed. And there's just something in the power of knowing knowing that someone believes your story. So to all the armed service men out there where maybe this is part of your story, first of all, thank you for your service. And I know we always say that, but yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for your service. But once again, know that you are not alone. And I just want you to realize that you don't have to sit there alone. With if there is a place, there's a safe place. That's that's why we're here. And so maybe you're listening, and, and maybe Jay's story or Peter's story is a story that you can relate to. Uh, there's a place to heal. You know what? Take the first step. Don't be afraid to ask for what you need, right? I started out the show with that. That was kind of my mom saying, don't be afraid to ask because you never know what the answer is going to be. If you just are, if you just automatically start out with the no, it's like, oh, there's no way I can do that, whatever. Well, you've already limited yourself. And yeah, your answer will be no. But if you're like, oh, there might be a possibility so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask for some flexibility. I'm going to ask for a little bit of compassion and grace. And, hey, can we work this out, whatever, this way? Because I really need this. Don't be afraid to ask. All right, guys. So that is a wrap for this podcast here today. Thank you so much, guys, for just allowing me to, to share this or to, to share these, these pieces I was really an important for me. Rest in peace, Jay. Rest in peace, Peter. Um, I'm just so glad that you had an opportunity to actually come to the workshop to share some of your your story and um, just to coach and to work with you. And, you know, as we talk about those those 15 phases or steps, and one of them is the phase, and that's never the last phase because we're always, you know, in and out, but it's it's called truly living. And I believe for those guys when they came and, and they and they did the work that it gave them an opportunity to really truly begin living their life. All right, guys. So until our next Safe Place for Men podcast, be safe. <laughs>